0: Welcome. What can I tell you about this week's guest? Well, Angela is a seasoned performer with three Melbourne Comedy Festival solo shows under her belt. She has been a support act for many of the big names in comedy, and she was a finalist in the Kings of Comedy contest and a preliminary finalist in Melbourne in the Raw Comedy Contest. More recently, she has been a writer for Mainland Tonight and for Pitch. Angela has a rare autoimmune condition. So when COVID hit, she had to lay low until they found a vaccine. It gave Angela a chance to focus on writing and not comedy. Rather than her usual comedy writing... Angela enjoyed where her brain went when she was writing for children. Angela first started writing funny little stories for her niece, but soon realised there was a bigger audience for her stories. Angela's main aim as an author is for children to laugh while they learn. Angela grew up on a farm in regional Queensland, and this experience flavours her writing for a unique storytelling experience. She found it soothing while the world seemed to be going insane. During the first year, she published four illustrated children's books and her books are getting rave reviews on Amazon and are beautifully illustrated using the latest in digital technology. Angela's books are perfect for parents who want to feel good about their choices and for children who love a good story. Your child will ask for them again and again and sometimes that will be a good thing. This is the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Welcome, Angela. Welcome to the podcast. So um, great to have you.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Yes, yes. Well, I can't wait to hear your story and sort of delve a little bit more deeper into um into your children's books so tell us a little bit about why you like moved from comedy which i think is awesome and you know if anyone wants to see videos of angela they're online so you can go and peruse her videos which is great um uh to writing children's books
1: um so it happened during covid Um, and so during COVID there wasn't a lot of live gigs happening so there wasn't a lot of comedy that I could do Um, and I picked up a a remote writing job, freelance writing job with a company in Sydney Um, and so I was comedy writing during that period of time Um, and uh, I, um, I was on a I'm going to tell you the long story. Sorry no, about this. Go ahead. <laughs> so there's a um, there's a comedy writing um, a page on Facebook uh, for comedy writers in Australia, and somewhere on, someone on there posted that a children's show was looking for humorous sketches to go on the show, and he posted the details and whatever. And I thought, well, I'll give that a shot, um, and I wrote and i wrote a children's sketch and they chose it uh, and they animated it and it went to air um and it was about penguins
0: that what's, um, what's the
1: name of it can we can we see it on youtube um i'm not sure actually i don't oh. think the actual sketch has a name i don't think it's oh. just the individual sketch you can probably only see the full full children's show oh,
0: um okay bugger.
1: yeah um, but, uh, anyway, um, uh, after that, um, I thought I could, I could do this. I could write some more sketches and whatever. Um, and a friend of mine's an animator and she put me onto some animation software that does most of the animation process for you. It's all automated and you just got to like drag things into your screen kind of thing. So you don't have to draw anything, Um, and so I started writing little stories um, that I thought my niece would enjoy, uh, and putting little animations on it. And I created kind of like a kids channel on YouTube. Wow. Um, um, Yeah. I mean, and what's this?
0: And what's this software? Is this like an AI software? Is it like where it? reads it's, your words and then interprets them into uh, a cartoon it's or not, It's anime. not AI.
1: It's not AI. It's called Animatron. Um, oh. it, the registration for it is a little expensive, but considering what it does, it's kind of worth it. Yeah. Um, so I only had a year's subscription to the site um, and then I moved on to other things. Um but uh you know if anyone's interested in doing something like that i definitely recommend animatron as a, yeah. as the software to do it yeah no defo. Um, so okay
0: so you so you established what what's the name of this is it still established this children's channel with um, the Animatron?
1: i haven't loaded much onto it there's only a, a few little sketches that are on there um it's called curious Anch.
0: Oh, okay. Curious um, Ange. So
1: if you go onto YouTube and have a look at the Curious Ange channel, there's just a few little children's stories that have been animated on that. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, I'm not regularly maintaining that side at the moment.
0: That's okay. You're busy doing other things. You're busy kicking goals in the children's book area. So, okay, yeah. so you did the anime. Then how did you move
1: into actual books though? So my boss in Sydney, the company that I was writing for, saw my animations and he got a bit excited about um, optioning my work and there were discussions that were had uh, and it was all very exciting for me um, but they ended up deciding uh, not to, that it wasn't the direction they are wanting to go in and they didn't option it.
0: What's optioning? What is Because some people listening to this might not even know what optioning is. Oh, I don't know what um, optioning is. So
1: basically, it's buying your work so that they can oh. sell it. Okay. Um. So okay. it's buying the idea. Um. So they were going to create a children. They were thinking about creating a children's channel with a uh, like a children's not channel. Um. Show with uh, my stories in it. Um. And hiring some writers. Wow. to To. Uh, That's full to, on to use the formula that I was using for the stories because I I apply a formula to my stories.
0: Oh, well, um, we're going to have to get into that later. We're going to have to get into that later, but yeah, carry <laughs> on. Carry yeah. on. Don't wanna stop you.
1: So, but even though it didn't go ahead and the deal didn't happen, um it was still encouraging for me to go, well, you know, I'm I'm actually pretty good at this. Um and it, I had success a lot easier with children's writing than what I ever did with comedy comedy is a really difficult art form uh it takes a long time to get good at it hats um, off to you
0: for even having the goonies to get up on stage and try and make people laugh or get up on stage in a comedy store where you've got drunk people who have been listening to half a dozen other comedians or whatever and you've got to get up there and try and make them laugh i mean yeah yeah
1: yeah it's so um I uh, decided how can I monetize this? Um, uh, How can I create a product that people will pay money for? Um, And so the logical uh, step then was into children's books. Um, And once I found, once AI started coming out that could create illustrations, it was just like, well, because I couldn't afford to pay an illustrator, but um, uh, I mean it's ridiculously expensive. Um yeah, I and, can imagine. And so um now I use AI to create the illustrations. Wow. Um and I illustrate and write my own stories and self-publish the books.
0: Wow. And I I got to say, right, there's a lot of people who are a bit concerned about this AI malarkey and saying like, oh, it's going to take all our jobs away and, you know, what AI, we shouldn't trust it or anything like that. But I was I was listening to somebody the other day who said, well, we don't know what we could do with AI and you have just shown that you're doing something positive with it Mm. in the fact that you're using AI to illustrate your books, right? And so us as human beings are the creative ones. It's just us going out there and using the tools that are given to us like AI to then get creative,
1: I suppose. Yeah. I mean, if I hadn't have found a way to create illustrations myself, um, I would have had to have waited until a publisher decided to publish my work and they teamed me up with a, you know illustrator and get the books illustrated that way. And it's incredibly difficult. It's a very competitive field oh. and it's very difficult to get a publishing deal. Um, and they move really slowly and I'm quite an impatient person. Um, it all happens way too slow in the publishing world. Um, and so it was just like this suits me down to a T because I can get a product done quickly.
0: And I suppose you're in control of that product from beginning yeah. to end, aren't you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I can't get an illustration exactly how I want it um, and I have to make compromises, creative compromises Given the limitations of the technology, um but most of the time the illustrations are pretty good.
0: Wow, wow, so look, let's delve into your children's books, right? because um, how many books have you got now? Is it six you've written now? in Illustrated? yeah, and got either? yeah,
1: and I've got a backlog of stories that I wrote around christmas time um so i've got about another four ready to go and i'm just waiting until i work with my editor and get them uh as good as possible and then i'll put i'll do them one at a time throughout the year so there'll be another four this year so
0: where do you get the ideas to write because like writing a children's book look there aren't many words in some children's books there's a lot of pictures and maybe not many words and stuff like that but i look at a children's book and i go wow where would you start how do you get your ideas and i know i'm going to throw a lot of questions at you here at the at the minute but maybe we start with where do you get your ideas from first but writing a children's book is not easy i know there's not many words in it but you've got to write it so that children like it it's not like writing for adults it's you know writing for little people and little people look at the world a bit differently from us adults
1: So my ideas come from different places. So you take the first one that I self-published and that was uh, The Butterfly in the Meadow. And that is using a science fact. Uh, I I want a point of learning in all of the books. So I Googled science facts and tried to find something that inspired a story in me. Um, And so uh, with the, The Butterfly in the Meadow, it's taking the fact that butterflies taste with their feet and it has a whole heap of fun with it.
0: (laughs) Okay, now I've just learned something new. They taste with their feet?
1: Yeah, they taste with their feet. Mm. So it's like, you know, what does a leaf taste like? Oh, it tastes very leafy. You know, what does a twig taste like? Very twiggy kind of stuff. And it just uh, goes through that until you get to the punchline. It's the funniest one of the books that I've published and it has this really hilarious punchline at the end
0: and we're not going to give that away because that would ruin the book for everyone listening (laughs) and their kids right but
1: yeah okay and so
0: is that what your stories actually so you take your stories and like your theme as such is that you write the story so that there's a a learning in it for the children that are reading it and also the parents because I didn't know butterflies tasted with their feet, but now I know. I'm going to tell my son that when he comes home from school. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, so, so it's a learning. So that's your theme in your books that you try and write a book that – or try, you yeah. write a book that so it's, has it's a not learning always, in it.
1: Yeah, it's not always a science fact. Sometimes it's a moral, you know, learning something, uh, a good habit to kind of – whether a, a characteristic that's desirable or something like that. Um, but all of them have some point of learning in them.
0: Okay, okay. And are you what age have you directed these books at? What age are they for as such?
1: It's uh, three to six-year-olds. Okay. Um, so they're designed to be read to the child. Um And yeah. um, they're all around the 400-word mark. Um which is appropriate for that age group. Well, I was going to
0: say, is there a certain like word level that you sort of have to pitch it to as such with the different ages and things?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, there's different expectations for different age groups. So as children grow older, the books get longer. So for uh, the three to six-year-old age group, it's between two hundred to five hundred words usually, typically. Wow! Yeah. And is it? And it?
0: And and do you? Um. Within that word number, as such, is there like a specific level of vocabulary? Vocabulary. Oh, it's Friday, so, for me, so this is. Such, yeah. Is there, is there a certain level of um words? not vocabulary, I just said it, yay, uh, it's because I wasn't thinking about it, that you would use because it's at the correct level for that age group of children because you wouldn't expect them to know, so, like, super califragilistic gets me allidocious
1: Yeah, so at that age typically the child can't read for themselves. Yeah. Um. So the book's being read to them. So they'll recognise higher levels of words that are being read to them rather than... When you're writing for, you know, the six to eight age group where children are learning to read, then you do need to simplify the language a lot more because they're beginner readers, whereas when the book is designed to be read to the child, you can get away with slightly more sophisticated language because it's being read to them. But even so, still within that, you know, trying not to use too many big words or anything too sophisticated yeah yeah
0: because the adult will understand it but the child will just go what say what what did you say what's that massive great big viaduct whatever blah blah." they're not going to understand that and do they really need to know what it is no um so how do you how do you like okay so you've got a theme right And I'm trying to delve into this because I'm just, I I don't know whether any of my listeners have a penchant and think that they have a children's book within them. And it might be something that they want to embark on. But I'm fascinated with children's authors. Sorry, I sound like a stalker now. But with children's authors and how you actually create children's books because they're so integral to the education and setting up the values and behaviors sorry to put all of this pressure on you Angela when you're writing your books but you know your books are what help us parents to instill the right values and behaviors in our kids right so now you've got a theme so now you've actually got a theme and everything sort of set up right I don't know some learning value some value that you would like Um, to put within your book that you want a child to actually learn about. How do you start writing the book? Do you just sit down and let it flow out of you like a river as such? Pardon Um, the pun. But like or do you have you got a character? Is it Ange your character like from uh, your videos or?
1: No, there is a girl that pops up in a couple of the in three of the books there's a child called Becky. So when I have an actual child in the book and it's not animals that are that are in the book, um, I, I'll call the child Becky. So there's a bit of consistency through the books um, and she has some fairly consistent character traits throughout the books. Um, so, I mean, she's the, the main repeating character, um, but a lot of the books are about animals pretending to be humans, kind of um, humanising animals um, and uh, to sit down and actually start creating uh, a book. I mean the ideas come from different directions. It might be a science fact that I've decided I can write a story around or in, uh, one of my stories, the one that I just published most recently, The Busybody Bee. Um, I was in the shower and the name The Busybody Bee came to me and I thought that's a brilliant name for a children's book. Um and so I just decided, well, what would a story about a Busybody Bee be like? Um and so I just started creating uh, a story around the title of the book. Um, and uh is that
0: just jotting down ideas about like what a busybody would do and then you just convert it to what a busybody bee would do
1: yeah so um i ended up Coming up with a story where the other bees are calling her busybody because she's friends with all the other farm animals, and she stops off on her way to the flower, wildflower fields to, to say good day to everybody, and the other bees are going, calling her a busybody, which makes her sad. Um, and uh, but then the wildflowers start to wilt, um, and the bees are afraid that they'll die and they won't have any food. And uh, Buzzy, the the busybody bee, uh, she goes, well, my friends can help us water the flowers because we're too small. The bees are too small to water flowers. Like, you know, they can't carry very much water, so they couldn't do it themselves. And she's going, I've got all these farmyard friends, you know, they could help us water the flowers. And so they come in and they have a the, whole heap of fun splashing water about and that sort of stuff. And then at the end uh, the other bees are... Very glad that she had all of these other friends and they didn't call her a busybody ever again.
0: Wow. Well, there we go. We shouldn't have given all, all your book away there because nobody <laughs> will need to buy that book now. We've just given them the story, <laughs> but that's okay. Okay, so, so once you've pulled your book together and written it and illustrated it and stuff, do you actually go out to schools and, like, test out your stories?
1: Do you test out your stories on anyone? Um, just a collection of friends whose opinions I trust. Okay. Um, and I don't always take on their their suggestions. Fair um, enough. You know, um, but I, I hang out with a lot of very talented people um, coming from comedy, obviously. Yeah. Um, comedians tend to be creative in other fields as well um and so i have people in that area whose opinions i trust and i run it past them and they'll make suggestions for changes and that sort of stuff
0: and do you do you incorporate your comedy into these books because although children may not get comedy as such um their parents are reading them as well so sometimes i mean i've read some books where i go okay that's a bit that was funny for me, but, like, my son's not got it.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, not all of them have, like, a specified punchline, you know, laugh out loud point, um, but there's certainly an element of silliness and fun to all of them, um, and some of them do have punchlines kind of in their little jokes and that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, the... I was talking about The Butterfly in the Meadow before and it's it's a really funny book. It's got a couple of punchlines in it. Yeah. It just has a lot of fun all the way through the book. Um, so I am trying to create a safe space for the children and also a, a space where they can have fun with learning.
0: Yeah, no, awesome, awesome. Um, so... Are you going to go back to comedy? Sorry, that question's been bouncing around in my head. Are you going back to it or are you going to continue with the children's books?
1: I think I can do both.
0: Oh, there you go. Multitasking. God love you, Angela. Multitasking. Okay, well, that's fine because we've just had the Melbourne Comedy Festival down here and I know you've been busy doing other things so you haven't been able to come down. But, like, it would be great to have you back on the circuit as such. And down in Melbourne for the comedy festival. Um, I know Brisbane. Brisbane have a comedy festival as well, don't they?
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah, um, so.
0: it's
1: nowhere near as big as the Melbourne comedy festival,
0: though. No, well, I'm not going to say anything, right? Because I would be biased towards Melbourne about everything. But no, that's cool. So, look, where do people find you online? Where the so we've mentioned about the website, uh, the YouTube channel. Sorry, if that and that people can actually find um curious Ange, is it curious Ange? yeah curious yeah. Ange. curious yeah. Ange. um and then where can they, where can they find your books because you self-publish so what does that mean
1: uh i self-publish on amazon so my books are available on amazon um i've also got people at the markets in brisbane selling them oh, um cool. uh, i pay them a commission to sell my books um So, uh, yeah, uh, for people who are not in Brisbane, then um, they're available on Amazon. And I'm a bit slack with social media. I'm not as set up on social media as I should be.
0: Oh, you and Um, me both. uh,
1: But my Instagram, I'm kind of developing that as my platform for promoting the books. So Angela Greensall comic um, is my handle on Instagram and I've got a lot of the content that's in the books um, posted on Instagram so you can see what's actually inside the books. Cool. Um, yeah. And, and how do you
0: self-publish, right? Like if I've got people listening to this who are single parents who are going, I've got a book inside me, like whether it's a children's book or their own book, right? Do you just send your book to Amazon and they just then print it on a book and Um, How do you do it?
1: Amazon has a platform where you do it all yourself. So um, it's called Kindle Direct Publishing. It's Amazon's version of a publishing house. And so it's a separate website to Amazon, but it's still linked to Amazon. So once you load your book up onto Kindle Direct Publishing, it's then available on Amazon. Um, And so the formatting for their software to get the look of the book right has to be exact. There's all sorts of things that will just throw it off a little bit and it Mm. won't look like how you want. So there's instructions that you can get from Amazon. Um, They either sell them as a book on Kindle um, or if you go into Kindle Direct Publishing, the website, and you delve deep enough, you can get like a downloadable file that has the instructions on it so that you can get mm-hmm. the formatting right so your book will look like how it's supposed to a look book, when you publish basically.
0: it yeah. yeah 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 wow awesome tips awesome tips so so basically it, can they get you so just amazon is where your where your books are if they need to have a look at yeah
1: that. at the moment sometime this year i'm going to uh Get registered on um, Ingram Spark, which will mean that I can then get it into retail stores. Um, it's cool. a distribution um, company, yeah. um, online distribution company, um, so retailers can buy wholesale from them. Um, so I'm hoping to get into bookstores at some stage this year.
0: No, cool. That's awesome. Wow, wow. So it's all going on for you, even without you being down in Melbourne for the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Sorry, yeah. just keep rubbing that in because I what you and said, are <laughs> oh, you coming down because then we can meet for a coffee. But anyway, um, so, um, so look, thank you for just coming on here and talking about your books and telling us, um, giving us a bit of an insight into how you pull the books together and think about the themes and different themes and things like that that you are writing your books on, and your journey from comedy to children's books because it's a like, yeah, I I would never have thought of going from comedy to children's books, but in a way it's sort of quite an easy segue um, yeah. across. Um, but look, so so I have one final question for you. One final question. If you could recommend a book, and it can't be your own books because we've already plugged them enough, but if you could recommend a book to my listeners,
1: what book would it be? Um, the last really good book that I read that just absolutely engaged me, and I read it from cover to cover in one night kind of thing, was a book called The Midnight Library. Ooh. Um And it's got some darker themes to it so it's not suitable for children it's it's a book for adults adults yeah. Um, and it's got it's got some fairly it's got some darker themes to it but it treats it really sensitively um and it's just really really well written a really interesting kind of uh intelligent book
0: okay cool well this is the thing see i'm building up this long list of books that my my interviewees are recommending to people so that's that's awesome thank you for that thanks for that recommendation well look it has been a complete pleasure talking to you thank you so much for coming on the program and um chatting with me about what you're doing and your books um and look i'll I'll let you get back to sunny old brisbane Uh yeah it's a beautiful day today it is we're a bit horrible and gray and rubbish down in melbourne here but um but yeah i can see behind you not anyone else can see but i can see behind you it's like fantastic brilliant brilliant bright sky and you look like you're in the trees
1: (laughs) yeah well thank you for having me on the show um i've appreciated the opportunity
0: no thanks a lot thanks for joining us we'll speak again soon thanks for listening If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes, go to our website, www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey, and Twitter. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one is perfect. We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.